Welcome to Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, where I drink, discuss, and discover the world of distilled spirits. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. This is episode 48, and I'm drinking Malibu. For each episode, you should expect that I'll be well-researched and educational, also entertaining and consistent in my reviews. I chose to feature Malibu for this episode because I like the spirit, and it's a category leader. When I brought the bottle home for the tasting, my wife saw it, and she said, Malibu used to be my jam. There's a nice brand origination story as well, and that's one of the reasons I create this podcast, to tell the stories of liquors and liqueurs. Because Malibu is so widely available, if you're listening to this podcast, you've most likely at least seen it, if not tried it. So, the bottle I have is a standard 750 milliliters. It is Malibu Caribbean Rum with Coconut Liqueur. It is 21% alcohol by volume, making it 42 proof, and it retails for around $20. The bottle and branding of Malibu is very iconic. It is a white bottle with a pair of brown palm trees in front of a setting sun or a sunset, and then the word Malibu crested above them. There's a really dark brown, almost black screw cap at the top. The white is an opaque plastic heat shrink over clear glass. Uh, Originally, the bottles were opaque white. They were white glass at one point. There's more about the original bottles I'll tell you about as we get into history. But on this current bottle, the heat shrink is clear at the bottom. It's a little, the white is faded. So you can actually see through the bottle and see that the spirit inside is clear. So without further ado, let's go ahead and open this bottle up and give it a taste. So here goes the screw cap. Right off. And for all spirits on this podcast, I taste them neat, which is room temperature, no ice, no dilution. And I'm using a clean Glencairn glass. It's a nice glass for tasting. So here we go. Let's go for a pour. In the glass I mentioned when I was describing the bottle, the spirit is clear, so it looks just like water. Uh, It's pretty light proof. There is some sugar added, it being a liqueur, so it clings to the edges of the glass a little bit as you swirl it. I gave myself, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately for me, a rather healthy pour in the glass, so I'm not really swirling it much. But at only 21% ABV, it's pretty light. All right, on the nose... (laughs) it's unmistakably coconut. Oftentimes people will describe Malibu as smelling like suntan lotion, but I think that uh, suntan lotion smells like Malibu. It's very coconut, authentic coconut smell. No ethanol burn. doesn't really smell sweet. Uh, Let me try a little more. No rum notes really either. It's just coconut, just pure kind of sweet coconut. I guess I I was lying. There is a sweetness to it, but it smells like fresh coconut cream. All right. And on the palate, here we go for a taste. Mm. It's got a nice mouthfeel, a little warmness. You can feel the ethanol, the alcohol in it a little bit as you swallow it, but it it does have a nice creamy mouthfeel and it really has a coconut forward flavor. It's just 
coconut. I really enjoy coconut. It's one of my favorite flavors. I'll have coconut cream in my coffee occasionally. If you get a can of coconut milk and you get the heavy version of it, not the light, that has more of the the coconut oil, the fat in it. When you open the can, you'll get just the, the pure coconut cream. And that's what you'll use in like a pina colada, for instance, if you're mixing drinks, is you really want that coconut cream. That's what Malibu tastes like, is just coconut cream. Looking at it in the glass, it's a bit puzzling because your eyes see clear, but your mouth tastes what you know to be a white coconut cream. So I'm going to give it another taste. Yeah, sweet coconut. It's quite nice. There's a little hint of astringency in the in the aftertaste. That's the alcohol really kind of kicking through a bit. Malibu is made with rum, but it could just be a neutral spirit for all that it matters on the palate. Okay, let's dive into the history on this one. And first off, I'll say Malibu isn't legally rum. When I first started drinking, I always referred to it as Malibu rum. In fact, it's MalibuRumDrinks.com is the U.S. URL. Their social media handles are Malibu rum. I mean, they have rum in the name. It is part and parcel to the brand is the association with rum. But technically, Malibu is a liqueur. And that hits to the fact that there is sugar added and some flavor. To be classified as a true rum in most countries, the product would need to be at least 40% ABV or 80 proof, but this is about half of that. Malibu embraces the rum classification though, and even if they have to have some weasel word language, some words that say it's made with Caribbean rum, the brand definitely wants you to think of it as a flavored rum product, which indeed it is, but it's really liqueur. So sure, call it Malibu rum, but it's Malibu liqueur, technically, and was first marketed as such, actually. Technicalities aside, Malibu does contain Caribbean rum today, but the history of Malibu starts not in the Caribbean, but in South Africa. It was 1978, and apartheid was the law in South Africa. This institutionalized racial segregation didn't make for a great country from which to launch a prominent international spirits brand. In fact, most countries would rightfully view South Africa at the time as a nation to shun. But from this environment, a few expat Brits were working for Gilby's South Africa. Gilby's is best known for the brand of gin today, but they actually started way back in 1857 as an exporter of South African wines. So having a presence in South Africa was natural for Gilby's, though the company had merged with United Wine Traders Limited in 1962 to form International Distillers and Vintners, or IDF, and Gilby South Africa was a subsidiary of IDF. Anyway, three British men who became prominent figures in the global spirits business are responsible for Malibu. The man most often given credit is Tom Jago, or Jago, I'll call him Jago, at the time director of new product development worldwide for IDF, and whose biggest claim to fame is as the primary creator of Bailey's Irish Cream. Tom Jago named Malibu, but he didn't create it. Nor did the second Brit, a man named James Espy, at the time Group Marketing Director Worldwide for IDF, who brought it to Tom's attention. No, the man most responsible for Malibu's creation would be Peter Fleck. Peter was Managing Director of Gilby's South Africa, and he drove the creation of the liqueur that became known as Malibu. Originally, Malibu was branded as Coco Rico, a light coconut-flavored Caribbean-style rum. 
At inception, the brand was nearly identical to Malibu as we know it today, except for the name. The rum was indeed made in South Africa in a Caribbean style, and then flavored with natural coconut and blended with sugar and water to create a liqueur. The logo and label had a distinctive pair of palm trees in front of a setting sun, below the brand name, and the bottle was white. It was recounted by James Espy that when seeing the white bottles, he asked how Peter Fleck had managed to procure them. Peter reportedly said, The glass manufacturers could not produce it, so we simply, in a very Heath Robinson fashion, created a conveyor belt with the bottles hung upside down and they were spray-painted by a gentleman whose specialist job was to spray-paint new fridges white. I'll admit I had no idea who Heath Robinson was, so I had to Google him, and he apparently was a British cartoonist known for drawing whimsically elaborate machines to achieve simple objectives. And the term Heath Robinson contraption was apparently added to dictionaries in the UK in 1912. Sounds akin to Rube Goldberg, if you ask me. Anyway, they painted the bottles white when Coco Rico was first launched in 1978. And apparently there wasn't any elaborate market research done on Coco Rico. The product was created based on instinct and a dose of wild and loose willingness to give an idea a solid try in the market. I've read many accounts, including those listed on Wikipedia, that claim Malibu was originally created as a fruit liqueur-based premixed spirit specifically for bartenders to simplify making piña coladas, with production being done on the Caribbean island of Curacao. And after a bit of success, this product was vastly reformulated to become the rum-based Malibu we know today. I tend to believe that's incorrect, as the first-hand account from James Espy provides most of the basis for the early story of Malibu as I'm recounting it. And photos exist on the internet of bottles of Coco Rico that look just like Malibu with a different name, and even state on the front label, produced and bottled in the Republic of South Africa. So, back to the true origin story. Peter Fleck and James Espy both thought the brand had potential to be a global hit. But again, for a British company, IDF, South Africa wasn't really the country to launch a global spirit from in the late 1970s. So, James Espy took Coco Rico to Tom Jago to see what could be done. Tom, as director of new product development worldwide, discovered that the name Coco Rico was actually registered by a competitive company, National Distillers. So the name had to be changed. It's said that Tom never got rid of ideas he'd tested, even if they'd failed. Malibu apparently was a failed brand that Tom had kept in his files. It was perfect for Coco Rico, and they ensured they had the registrations for the brand worldwide. They then hired an ad agency to help with positioning. It's noted that they wanted to avoid any brand background, but focus on the promise in the bottle. What they came up with was the slogan, it comes from paradise and tastes like heaven. Malibu to this day officially says nothing about their origin. Pernod Ricard, the current owner of the brand, has Malibu history as a blank section on their corporate site. It's there, but with no content. In 1979, the newly renamed Malibu was pitched to all the top marketing people from the various international distillers and vintners subsidiaries at a new product conference held in the Bahamas. The pitch worked, and everyone reportedly decided to give Malibu a shot. IDF first launched it in the UK through a chain of stores they owned, as well as promoting it in bars and nightclubs. It was new, trendy, and perceived as cool. 
IDF priced it similarly to Smirnoff and Bacardi, but because it was a liqueur at only 25% ABV originally, it was more profitable due to decreased duties paid based on potency. Also, in the UK in the 70s and 80s, liqueurs could be advertised on TV while hard spirits could not be. Malibu, positioned as a liqueur, was on the airwaves and advertisements, and the brand took off. IDF also sold Malibu through duty-free retail worldwide, helping get exposure around the globe. Production had moved to the Caribbean, Barbados specifically, and made by West Indies Rum Distillery Limited for IDF. So the Caribbean pedigree was deserved at this point. International distillers and vintners became part of the global juggernaut Diageo when it was formed. Malibu as a brand had to be sold in 2002 following the sell-off of Seagram's brands to Diageo and others. Diageo acquired Captain Morgan Rum from Seagram's and for legal reasons, they were not able to keep both Malibu and Captain Morgan. Malibu was viewed as the second-tier brand, and so it was sold to Allied Dometic for about 800 million U.S. in 2002. In 2005, Pernod Ricard acquired Allied Dometic for about $14 billion, and Malibu came with the deal. Pernod Ricard owns Malibu as of the time of this recording, and it's one of their best-performing brands. In 2019, the most current year for which sales figures are available... Malibu sold 3.8 million 9-liter equivalent cases worldwide. This makes it purportedly the second most popular liqueur in the world. Top markets for Malibu are the US, UK, France, Germany, and Canada. The Malibu brand has been expanded in recent years beyond the original coconut flavor to include pineapple, lime, watermelon, strawberry, mango, passion fruit, banana, and more. And in 2020, Malibu launched Malibu Splash, a canned, ready-to-drink, sparkling malt beverage at 5% ABV in four flavors. And I mentioned Malibu is the second most popular liqueur in the world. It's second only to Bailey's Irish Cream, which is the more famous creation of Tom Jago, who often is credited with Malibu's creation. Incidentally, the three creators of Malibu, so Tom Jago, James Espy, and Peter Fleck, they went on late in life to form The Last Drop Distillers Limited in 2008, which discovers casks of fine spirits hidden in cellars and warehouses, then packages and sells limited releases to connoisseurs with deep pockets. So that's the history of Malibu, but how is it made? So Malibu is made with Caribbean rum with coconut liqueur, but what else? I do know it has real coconuts in it as they're listed on the allergens under tree nuts on Malibu's nutrition facts. Nutrition facts on the spirits is something handy that Pernod Ricard publishes on their website. So there are real coconuts in Malibu, at least coconut essence, coconut flavor. But beyond that, information is sparse. Caribbean rum may simply be descriptive of the style of rum rather than a nod to the origin location of the product as well. The bottle I have clearly is labeled as produced in Canada. Pernod Ricard has a lot of production capacity in Canada, so Malibu may very well be made entirely in Canada. All right, let's jump into cocktails and consumption. Malibu mixes very nicely to give a tropical punch to a cocktail without overwhelming the drink. When I was a bartender, I had a patron order a Malibu Kamikaze and insist I try it. She had to tell me how she liked it because it was a variation on the standard vodka-based Kamikaze. I, of course, subbed in Malibu for the vodka mixed with triple sec. 
Should have been Cointreau, but it's a bowling alley bar, so triple sec worked fine. And some lime juice. I will say it tasted quite good. Malibu, of course, features prominently in cocktails that are tropical in nature, and on their website, they do feature the Pina Colada. This cocktail is one that is often credited with the origin of Malibu, i.e. Malibu being created for Pina Colada speed production, perhaps, but that doesn't seem to be the case. Malibu's version of a pina colada on their website calls for just Malibu, pineapple juice, and coconut cream. Malibu, of course, is also mixed good with cola. And I recently, actually just today, heard that Malibu goes great with Dr. Pepper. So I might have to give that a try. In general, when you are mixing Malibu, treat it like a coconut rum and you'll do just fine. So in summary, what do I think of Malibu? (laughs) To be honest, it's great. It's sweet. It's light. I've enjoyed my rather heavy-handed pour, my little sample while recording this episode. But at 21% ABV, at 42 proof, it's pretty light. You can drink this all day or all night if you're out. Yeah, it's quite nice. I really love coconut flavor, and this is a pure coconut flavor. They're they're doing it right. They know what's going on with the flavor profile, so it doesn't taste it doesn't taste like cheap vodka that you you know added some coconut flavor to. This tastes authentic coconut cream, as I described in the tasting. Also, it's got a great brand story. South Africa was surprising to me because I assumed like most people would. Ah, it's Caribbean. It's from the Caribbean. It, I don't know. It came from some tropical island. And no, it came from South Africa originally, and a bunch of British guys cooked this thing up, <laughs> essentially, brought it to market. I'm glad that they did, and now a French company, Pernod Ricard, owns it, and it's probably made in Canada. So it's truly a global product. But, you know, I think Pernod Ricard is a great brand steward. It's been performing very well in this past year of coronavirus and uh, global pandemic, actually. Malibu has shown strong sales because people enjoy it. They buy bottles to use at home because, of course, with the world really shut down for the last 12 months or so, we're starting to open back up. Yay, vaccines. That's good. But at the time of this recording, the last 12 months have been pretty well shut down and the on-premise sales of distilled spirits have really been dampened and some brands have taken a big hit. But Malibu is easy drinking, easy mixing. People are familiar with it and so sales via retail and liquor stores have been strong because people are taking it home and mixing it. It's not entirely reliant on the on-premise sales. It's not the kind of thing that you only drink out at a bar. All that said, it's great. I really enjoy it and you know I might need to buy another bottle because this one won't last long. So that's going to do it for this episode of Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur. I'm your host Matt Burchard. Please subscribe and share. Show notes are on liquorandliqueurconnoisseur.com. You can also find the show on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Amazon, your favorite podcast platform. I aim to be there. The show is also on social media. Facebook and Instagram are where I'm most active. I really enjoy hearing from my listeners, so if you've got a particular spirit you would love for me to cover, please reach out and give me your feedback. And as always, thank you for listening. <laughs>